0: if I would ask you the simple question now is there any difference between the knowledge and the service if somebody serving does he need or she need to know some knowledge the answer will be yes but is this it is is this all what we need just the knowledge to be able to be servant definitely not it's way way more than this so there is big difference between the religious teaching and the Christian service. And when I say religious teaching, as if in the past when we were Egypt, you know, we would go to a class which is muḥṣṣat al-dīn, you know, a class just teaches only something about religion. In the class, it's not service because who who was teaching me was a teacher. And this is part. The 45 minutes of this class has to be dealt with the Christians in this school to to teach them something about their their faith, so to speak. So are we doing the same exact thing or not? Let's let's figure it out ourselves as we go. So there is enormous difference between the knowledge and the service by itself, according to the Christian meaning. So the reg- religious teaching, even if it is done in a spiritual manner, tends to focus on what? Focus on the assembly of the mind, the shape, how I want this child or the person to be saved, being saved, being serviced, I mean um, how I put some thoughts in his head to accumulate this knowledge and grow with it to know something. This is what we call it the knowledge. this is what the re- religious teaching, but the Christian service is a completely different thing. It, co- it focuses on what focus on the catechism, the reproof of oneself, focus on the controlling the body bodily desires that I want, and the end result of this. the first one the end result of the teaching it's self-admiring that i'm a teacher that i know better than others that uh, i am superior and i have a little bit of superiority than others who are not serving if it's only teaching right but the other side here when we have when we talk about christian service lead us to what so lead us to self uh, abandonment or surrender myself to god and be honest Having an honest relationship between us as servants and our, us and, and God himself. So you, you got the idea? This is just an introduction. What's the difference between somebody is teaching and somebody is serving? That's why I want to come back to this big thing that we say, who are we? Are we Sunday school teachers? Definitely not. This word, I would like to scratch it from our vocabulary. That we're not teachers. We are servants. So we are Sunday school servants. Maybe the English language is a bit uh, weak here because there is two words in, in Arabic. And I know the people who speak Arabic can, can get this. But there is a big difference between a servant and a servant. So a servant, when we say somebody like, uh, let's like say Ihab, he, he works in the city. So you are... What do you call it? Um, a public servant, right? But is a public servant who does something for the public, serve the public. It's a job, right? This is a servant. But what about if you get, forgive me, if you get one of those uh, like a slave? Isn't he a servant also in a house? He does all of this third and fifth degree jobs. And we call them servants still. And this is the difference between Khadim and Khaddam in Arabic. So the slave, we call him Khaddam. And the servant, you know, who serve others in a, in a, in a nice way, we call him Khaddam. You, you got the idea. I was talking to somebody yesterday and then uh, I was passing the plates because of, for the food and they came to me, Abuna, you know, you not, should not do this. We should serve you. I said, yeah, are you a servant or what? He said, yeah, well, I'm a servant. I said, okay, I am the servant of the servant. And <laughs> I, <was, I'm> <laughs> you know, I got confused myself. In other words, this servant does not start from top here. He starts from bottom there to carry up people. And this is the way we should think of of the service. Abuna, when he comes, the church is very, very nice. And it, it made this beautiful thing that made Abuna wash the feet of the people three times a year to tell them, I am your servant. right? I am your servant that I, on my knees, wash your feet three times a year. What does it tell? I'm not on top. I'm not from... From this place, teaching and saying, okay, this guy with the beard and this nice robe or whatsoever, you know, he's controlling people. It's completely the opposite. It's down below carrying people up. Yes? So this is the way we need to think about it as a servant as we go. A Christian service fills the spirit with reverence and humility. And if we talk about this specific thing, the humility, for this reason, it's necessary to discuss these qualities of the spiritual servant. First, we need to understand the significance between the religious teacher and the spiritual servant. The teacher depends, his job depends on passing on information. Just something written in the book. I read it this morning before I came to to the church. And went to the Sunday school and just pass it on to people. But the servant builds the soul from inside. The teacher extracts this knowledge from books and put it on paper or say it to to the students. But yet the servant feeds the one one he serves from his own fullness and shares the inner riches of the faith. There is a big difference between saying a lesson and living the lesson. The servant provides genuine experience, his real experience, you know, from him or her that gives away and offers his own life because, again, one more time, it is not a lesson that I'm coming to give. I'm sharing my life, past and present. The teacher transmits words and concepts that had extracted from books, yet the servant brings forth words and concepts from within, an outpouring from his depth. And finally, the teacher prepares a lesson to convince the other people who are listening to him. But the servant labors to give birth to those children in Christ. Of course, big words, but we need to live it. Therefore, we must say also that there is also a difference between the student, talking about now who's listening, the student who sits for instruction in a religious class with the promise to be taught well so he can pass an exam, and this obedient child or the youth who places himself in the hands of his servant or the spiritual guide and follows his counsel with reverence. If I start as a servant, I will have the obedient youth who can really understand and live out of my teachings. And it's all teachings. So nothing wrong to say I am a servant who teaches. In summary, the Christian servant is not a teacher of lessons, but he is the leader and a guide of souls of, to salvation. The first priority and the central preoccupation of a Christian service is to lead the souls of men and women to repentance and train this young people in the path of virtue and fear of God. Let it be known, let it be very clear that our mission here is not to teach them what is written in the book. Our mission here is to lead them to heaven. This is the main thing that you and I are sitting here to do. We want to teach them the path to heaven. We don't want them to to teach them some information. If I'm going to a college to get a college degree in theology, Yes, I will pass the exam and I will get the PhD or whatsoever. But that's not what we're doing here. We're not giving any certificate towards the end of the day or end of the year seeing you passed. But by the end of life, this person will go to, what, to where? Heaven or God forbid, somewhere else. If I may take specifically about some lessons, let's talk about the lesson of love. This lesson of love can never be taught simply by prearranged words. Say, guys, we need to to love each other. We need to love God. We need to love, you know, the church. We We need to love mom and dad and so on. Talk. Yet, rather, it has to be taught truly giving yourself and communicating the love and longing for Christ for those who serve. The servant spiritual children will feel a contact with God will feel it. I can talk forever, but if I don't have this really contact with God between me as a servant and God, they will feel like I, uh, I have very empty words. I'm just saying words. But they need to follow you, follow the servant. They will taste this love that is handed down from God as if it's an inheritance from a dad to his son. Every mom and dad, some of you are parents, some are not yet, but my point is, every mom and dad really love their, chir- their, their children sincerely. They really love their children without talking. Yesterday I was saying, yes, I have a baby who does not understand words. And mom hugs this baby every day and gives him this all of this love. When the baby starts talking, the first thing he says, I love you, mom. because Mama didn't specifically tell him, I love you, I love you. The word is not in his head, but he had this feeling. The first thing he learns to say, I love you, mom. Why? Because he got the love, the real love of action rather than the words itself. If I may take another example, the lesson of trustworthy or trustfulness, the integrity, this integrity cannot be taught simply by sharing a few words or reciting few Bible Verses or even singing specific songs, but it could be talked delivered only through the tough task of leading spiritual children One by one over the rocky Way pathway of life. I take their hands and walk with them year after year as a servant and Teach them how to do how how to act where to go and answer all of these questions But I need to be careful because sometimes we drift, and they drift with us. We take different paths. We need to be also, as a servant, as I need to be also the, the person who is being served. In Arabic, there is a word saying, if I, don't have any, if I don't have something, I cannot give it. If I keep pouring out all what I have, I will be empty. I will be dry. And all of a sudden, I won't have anything to, to, to teach or to, to pass on. A tricky, two tricky lessons are coming right now. The lesson of humility. How can I pass this? It cannot be taught by intellectual pass, uh, persuasion that I said, oh, be humble. Humble yourself or by too much, too much talk. It could only be taught by this bitter and painful lesson to learn. I need to share with them how I reach this. How can I have this real feeling? But also be careful because any extreme is bad. When I keep saying, humble yourself, humble yourself, I may drift. Or the child or the person being served drift into low self-esteem. Then all of a sudden I feel I am not worthy of anything. The church is telling me all the time, you're not worthy, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're bad. On the other hand, I say, okay, I'm very good. There's some some of other churches that that say, you know, if I'm saved, I'm good, I'm happy, be happy all the time. So any extreme is bad. I need to come back to the buffer, to the middle and say, yes, I am a sinner, but God loves me and God came and died for me. You know, there is a big difference here. The low self-esteem, I need to carry this person being served with me, or when he have their big head, I have to teach them how to learn humility. Make sense? Teaching, again, by words, is nothing. And the last thing I want to talk about is the lesson of purity. Unfortunately, what's happening outside there now, everywhere we go, whether at schools, on the Internet, on TV, wherever they the see and hear things, it's talking about freedom. You're free to do anything you want with your body, with your head, with your thinking. You can do whatever you want to do. Yes, we are free. But we have to understand exactly what freedom means. What freedom means as the sons and and daughters of God. Yes, I will get this freedom, but I have to be pure. Pure in the heart, pure in the action, pure in my body. So this lesson, again, one more time, cannot be taught by words, but it has to be taught by showing purity myself, my actions, my my way of talking, my way of thinking, my way of interaction, interacting with others, and so on. Um, this servant does not does the same thing exactly. Like what I said, yeah, I remember yesterday I mentioned something. A mom, I always bring moms because they are awesome. I mean. They work very hard all the time, non-stop. A mom, when she sees her baby, you know, early on, that he's not clean, what does she do? She changed diapers. She clean him or her. She She does all of this work all the time. And it's smelly, it's ugly, it's filthy, it is bad, and she never complains, right? But... Unfortunately, you know, I, I could not do this myself. I couldn't do this myself, but anyways, yeah, it's a different story. Um, my my thing is, mom will always be working and working very hard to clean her child, and this is exactly what you're asked to do. You need to clean this people's spiritual filth. You alone with the church. You alone and you alone with the church. The church meaning the group of the servants, or buna, or, or whomsoever is, is entrusted to work with you. So, like mom is cleaning the baby's filth, also the servant is cleaning the person being served spiritual filth. Uh, but this change of this spiritual filth has to be done carefully also has to be achieved without inciting any guilt or fear or conflict sometimes the church teaches us to do things and we push this guilt button all the time that you're guilty you are if you don't do it you're going to hell <laughs> forgive me you know this is big words there but this is bad this is bad teaching this is not really our church God is so loving. It's, it's not all about white, black and white. It's not exactly. There are things, of course, in the faith. I cannot take anything in between. But we are human beings and we live and we have minds to think. I should not ignore this part. So I fill their minds of thoughts and fill their hearts with grace. You know, this is what the church should do. So let's not push all the time on the guilt part or the fear that if you don't do it right, you're lost. Um, When the real and true lessons such as these are taught to a spiritual child, eternal life will grow within within them. In other words, I will give them just a taste of what's heaven. When just imagine the four lessons we talked about, the first one, which is love and being trustworthy. And humility and purity, if you achieve this with a child or a youth or somebody being served, isn't it heaven? Isn't it a piece of heaven? We're starting now, you know, to feel like, yes, we are tasting something unusual. Um Really, the mind does not take in all of these lessons through memorization or learning facts. Instead, these lessons, the, lessons are learned when a servant leads by example. And again, one more time, I'm coming back to the first point, leading by example. The lessons is not given at an appointed time because if we got this example of somebody going to a theology school and all what they know it's I have... From 9 to 11, this class. I have an appointed time, an appointed professor is giving me some lesson. Yet here it takes the whole life for me to understand when I pass on, later on, I will succeed by then. This is going to heaven. The final exam does not come at the end of the year, but the judgment day, basically, for the people being served. I will read you two very two simple verses from the gospel. Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty nine, our Lord Jesus said this, learn from me for I'm, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And also he said, you can call me teacher and Lord and you can say, and you say, well, for so I am if I then I'm your Lord and teacher Have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one's another feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Again, one more time, Jesus, he was leading and teaching by example. Seriously, how awesome this Christian service is. The last thing I want to talk about, which is the nature of the Christian service. What is the nature? Everything has a nature. Has in depth, if you think about it, this nature is is what <laughs> this nature is. Four letters that I, I found. It's love, L O V E. The nature of the service is nothing more than love. As Saint Paul said, this through I bestow all my goods to feed the f- the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, I profit. It profits me nothing. So I do he did everything, all what he owns, he gave it to the poor. Even his body he offered it to the to be burned to the to the end. But he doesn't didn't do this in love, it profits him nothing. Love is the ultimate criterion of Christ's service. This is the really measure. Any criteria also other than this to measure the service other than love is merely a human measurement. It is not the godly measurement. It's not the church measurement that we need to make sure that it is all about love. Love what? Three things to be loved in general. Love God, love those who are served, and love the church in general. So love God as the driving motive. Why am I doing this? Why am I being... A servant. Why well, came the, this way? Again, to be the servant who is, I'm good enough. Be, because I'm good, they chose me to be a servant? No, I'm doing this because I love God. I love God for every service, small or big. Simon, he, he told Simon this. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He asked him three times. Do you love me? And when he answered yes, then he told he told him at the end, Tend to my sheep. Tend my sheep. Take care of my sheep. So the idea is, if you love him, then his daughters and sons, you can serve. Um, The second thing would be love for those saved, which is the image of Christ. All of us, we were created on the image of God. And St. Matthew said this, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it for one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Of course, Jesus was saying this. Whatever you do, you've done to, to the least of them, you've done it to me. So love of God and love who have been served. And the last thing, which is the love of, for the church, as the body of Christ. St. Paul said this one more time. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, Let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. It is not for one person that I'm taking care of, he or she and so on. It's the edification of the church. All of us were taking groups to people, leading them to to heaven. But does this love stays good forever? Would it be distorted? Would it be diluted? Would something happen to it? Rest assured, yes. There are many factors that contribute to the distortion of this Christian love. But the most important one of them is this personal personal godliness. Through the path, I feel like I am a little god. I feel like I am good. So my love is deviated from loving God and the people and the church to loving myself. Because I became the center of my service. Um, The reason this is the most damaging factor because it deceives the servant by making his service look vibrant and successful from the outside. And this deception may last forever, may happen during my path in service and will stay with me till the end, till somebody will wake me up and say, be careful. So please be careful. Are you really loving God, the people, and the church? Or you're loving yourself when you serve? Those three distortions of, of love is as, as, as such. When we have excessive concern with results, what does this mean? I have, Samech is going to talk in a minute right now about Karaza and other things, that we have classes that we have to teach, and they have to... Learn and go into tests and go into competition. And by the end of the day, what are our results? Did we get excellent? Did we pass or not? If we are focused only on results, we have a big problem. The main important thing of this course, of these courses, is for them to learn what is in it. When they grow, they grow and build brick by brick. But if I'm focused only on the results, this is a big, big problem or the excessive attention to the administration. If we are meeting every time here just to talk about administrative things, if we are talking about how beautiful and arranged and very well organized the service in this church, this is all what we care about, we are failures. This is not what what we need to do. And the last thing will be the lack of growth of love among those being served. If I fail to make you love each other, if I didn't achieve this, I am a failure. The most important thing is us to love each other. You could d- to go to your class and make them love each other. This is the most important thing. Love is the is the call. But if we don't make it happen, this is what really makes, makes it very hard. Several weeks ago, I was watching the TV and I saw... Um, Mr. Rogers, do you remember him? You know, the neighborhood thing. And he got this um, address of 143. Have you seen it? You know, if you remember. But they have 143. His, his address is 143. So uh, the reason I'm saying it because I didn't understand what it means, but this episode, it, it talked about it. So 143 is three words. One is I... Then four letters, the four, one, three, you know, L-O-V-E. Then three is you. So I love you became one, four, three. So one letters, one letter, four letters, and three. So his address at his house outside is 143. Always talking 143 because he's always saying, I love you. And this guy, he did an amazing things. By the way, I didn't know that he was a minister. He was a priest, <laughs> minister, you know, and this, he chose to do this amazing thing. Through TV, because he said the best thing to get my message across is take the TV. And he didn't talk specifically about Christ, so on. But he built people from, from the episodes that you, you've seen. You know, it's, it's amazing. And specifically with, with, children, with children, his message was always, always love. Always love. That's why he was very successful. During the war, the Second World War, you know, about to, uh, to close PBS, the, the station that he's working on, and they needed uh, $20 million, you know, they were fighting about $20 million. Today, $20 million means nothing, but by then it was a big thing. And there was hearing, you know, even in the Congress hearing. And lots of people came and started talking how important PBS is. You know who got them? The the, the funding? It was Mr. Rogers, simply because he said, all what I'm doing you know, the big sen- senator who was listening to this, he said, I don't want anybody to talk, read anymore. If you would like to speak to me, put your papers down and talk to me. So it was, it just happened that it was Mr. Rogers was there the first time. And he started talking and said, this is exactly what I'm doing. I'm teaching the children how to love each other, how to love their country, how to love the community. And after he's finished, he's done, the, the senator said, you earned yourself $20 million. Immediately on the spot, simply because he was truthful of what he's doing and he really loved the children and he really, the message of love was his, his talk. So let's, let's take an example of this. We're not teachers, we are servants preaching one thing, love. We got ought to love each other, each other first, to be able to teach the, to the children to love each other if this is the thing that they grow up loving each other, this church will be a piece of heaven. We'll be talking to the angels in the sky, right? And glory be to God forever. Amen. We want to thank you so much for listening to St. Basil's podcast. We hope that you have gained spiritually from our remarkable speakers, and we appreciate your support towards this podcast. St. Basil American Coptic Orthodox Church is looking to purchase a home, and we would love for you to be a part of our community. We are looking to raise funds towards this novel mission, Orthodoxy in an American context within the San Diego area. You may donate online through our website, www.stbasil.net, that's www.stbasil.net, or click on the link below and it will take you to our donations page. You may also mail in your contribution at the address located on our website. We thank you for any contribution, and may our Lord Jesus Christ always bless your heart and home.